This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Sorepreneurs, Uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson. From teenage mom to a recognized top 100 national trial lawyer, award-winning international speaker, number one best-selling author, and successful business and legal strategist, Chevelle certainly knows how to soar, uninterrupted. She's here today to empower and educate you with effective business and legal strategies you can use to build and scale a successful business without interruption. Get ready. Get set. Let's soar. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Chevelle McPherson. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soarpreneurs Uninterrupted with your hostess, Chevelle McPherson. I am here today. I'm super excited because I have a very special um, guest all the way from from London, Ontario, here in the studio, um, and she is going to be discussing internet security when it comes with respect to our children. She is the awesome Charlene Doak Gabauer, and she is the uh, she's an author first and foremost, but she also is uh, the founder and chair of a Canadian charity called Internet Internet Since First. Um, she she has created and she discusses a theory which is called the theory of digital supervision. And this is really important for entrepreneurs, especially I brought her on because it's an important topic. It has to do with monitoring um, your children, digital supervision. Um, It's really important, especially for mompreneurs, because I know as a lot of entrepreneurs, especially women, we have children out there. And a lot of times our computers become the babysitters, the cell phones become the entertainment, um, uh, the the video games become a part of like daily routine, routine for our children. And a lot of times as parents, especially mompreneurs and entrepreneurs, you really may not know what's going on on the other end of that device. And Charlene has um, had a situation uh, in her family that really hit home hard for her. And it really caused her to really want to um, go into this space and really educate people on the importance of digital supervision, especially when it comes to um, child protection and um, online security. Uh, and she, she has found a way to really make this a known topic. She's, she's made it um, international. She's given it international awareness Um, And it's really important for business owners, for parents, for caretakers, for anyone that is busy and that you have children. Um, I can't really emphasize the importance of this topic. Um, It's been so widely, um, she's been spreading it so wide that there was a three-part series for um, television that was produced about Charlene and her theory on digital supervision through Rogers TV. And it was broadcast um, back in January of 2019. Um, it's still available on Rogers TV's website. Uh, she's been featured on the CBS radio show, Women to Watch, um, and international television news. So Charlene is um, very active. She's, she's really, really serious about this topic. She's highly engaged in it. As I indicated, this is a topic that has really, um, I find it to be passionate for her because it hit home for her. Um, when there was a lack of digital supervision when it came to one of her relatives, and she's going to share that with with us today. But without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I am honored and honored to just have her here as a guest today. So Charlene, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. 
Um, how are you, my darling, all the way from London, Ontario? Um, how are you? I'm great, and I'm thrilled to be with you today, Chevelle. It's nice to have people advocating for the cause that I think and believe in so much. Oh, listen, I um, just as a way of background, uh, you and I met in Iceland. Um, yes. And you shared your you shared your message on um, digital supervision and online security um, then, and you know I was really you know intrigued by it, um, especially coming from the background of being an attorney, and I've I actually, I've actually represented um, perpetrators of, of of digital crimes, um, and I've been on the other perspective, and I realize, you know, firsthand also through my experience and in my practice, um, how important this topic is. And I also realized that people, especially entrepreneurs, and like I said, women entrepreneurs, this is a topic. If you call yourself an entrepreneur and you have children or you're a mompreneur or you're a working mom with a side hustle, you're just a busy individual and you either have children or you're a caretaker, this topic today is going to really resonate and it should really resonate with you and it should really cause you to take an inside look at how secure um, your th- these devices that your children are using, um, how secure are they, how protected are your children, or on the other hand, how vulnerable are they to predators um, and, you know, people who are interested in pornography. And um, I mean, it can really, it can really become a dangerous situation. And a lot of times, and I know from Charlene's experience, and she's going to explain it with her family, a lot of times um, we, you know, it's the people that are really close to us and right up under our nose that we have to really be careful about. And therefore we have to really protect our children um, because there are a lot of people out there that our children come to trust you know, their relatives, their neighbors, their professors, these are people that are right up under their nose and they're in a position to gain trust with our children. And while we're out here being entrepreneurs and we're, you know, trying to make a better lives for our family and while we're trying to affect the masses, the first foremost important thing that we need to do as entrepreneurs is to make sure that our family, especially our children, are safe. That That's my take on it. And for those reasons, um, I found it really, really valuable and a really great opportunity. And I asked Charlene um, to, to, you know, share with me, come on the show all the way from Canada to be able to get this message out. I want to do my part in getting this message out of how important this topic is. So I'm going to turn this over to Charlene. And um, Charlene, I just want to start off by um, asking you to first and foremost, um, share with the listeners what brought you down this journey? Why did you find it so important for you to make it a mission? Because this is was a, this became a mission for you. You've you've written a book. We'll talk about that later on. But you've written a book on it. You speak you speak on it. You train entrepreneurs on it. You you know you've been on TV. You've been on radio shows. Like I said, we met in Iceland. Um, you are just out there on the forefront, really trying to get this important message out. So can you just share with the listeners how this became so important to you? Well, my family uh, was uh, targeted by predators and they were neighbors. And uh, my little four-year-old family member, and she was used for child pornography for about six months and I, my family members always feel bad that it happened, but after all the research I've been doing, 
which has been five years worth, the whole family needs to realize they're all groomed. And when you have a victim in your family, they're grooming the parents, the the siblings, the cousins, anyone close to them. So I, I try to stress to people, please do not feel bad that something like this has happened to your family, that you don't need to feel guilty about it. We all do. But that grooming process is for everyone. The child, I, I've had um, therapists say that this is just child sexual abuse. And I take great exception to that because I know with my family member as she grew up, she wondered what person was looking at her pictures today. And this is a lifelong journey of trauma. And then I, um, I discovered child pornography on a computer. I'm a computer network specialist in education and discovered uh, child pornography on a computer I was working on. And I, I understood even better what my family member had gone through at the age of four. Then at the age of 22, she was actually killed by a drunk driver, which was horrible. Uh, a family to be exposed to that much crime as victims was terrible. And I looked at my family and I wondered, what on earth can I do to help them? I always try to make a negative into a positive. Right. And this was a huge negative. And when the drunk driver was on trial, I told my family, I'm coming to the trial. And I saw this fellow who seemed to have no remorse wasn't was a jerk enough to even make them go through without he didn't he didn't he didn't declare he was guilty right he didn't take the ownership right. for it right exactly and uh you as a lawyer would know that better than most chevelle he should have pleaded guilty so the whole right. family had to go through the trial right and it was after the trial and after he was convicted to be almost re, to be almost be re-victimized again Oh, it was terrible. And they showed pictures of her in the right. car, dead. Well, then I decided when I got home and he'd been charged, I was going to start the charity. So I started the charity. We were first called Child Pornography Hurts, but we have since changed our name to Internet Sense First. Okay. So before we talk, before we get into that, I want to just back up a little bit because you said a few things that I think um, we we need to just go into a little bit of detail so that the listeners can really understand um, the, the the true premise of, of this, this charity that has um, really become, you know, it's consumed you now, but in a good way, because it's for, right. it's for the benefit of, for, for the world. Um, but so your four-year-old relative, um, actually, actually, just so the listeners know, you wrote a book and I read the book. The book is Digital Sexual Victims, True Cases, right? Yes. Um, I read this book. It's a really great book. And it talks about, you know, this book is for parents, it's for caregivers, it's for professionals. And it's all about learning about digital supervision and child protection. Um, and you wrote this book based on things that happen. Um, and the main character in the book, which you named Jenny, um, that's yes. the character of the book. And this is the person who you're talking about now, who was struck by the drunk driver. So just by way of background, if, listen, if, if listeners, you should get this book. It's a great book. But just to give you a little bit of background, Jenny was a four-year-old um, child um, related to Charlene. And she was sort of, um, she sort of didn't really have a lot of peers and the family kind of moved and moved to a neighborhood. And um, she became friends with 
someone her age, four years old, who lived across the street, right? Yes. And uh, Jenny would visit this home regularly. Um, and in the beginning, it was great. And the grooming process you talk about, this is why I wanted to slow it down a little bit, because what people need to understand, especially entrepreneurs and mompreneurs that have children, and um, you think that your children are gone you know, for playtime and play dates, you have to be really careful because the grooming process is pretty much where... Um, a, a perpetrator of someone who's ultimately going to probably be a violator or a pedo, you know, a, a pedophile type person um, learns how to like at first, you know, the, the, the child, they're around the child, then they built trust with the child and then they have fun with the, you know, the child and the child becomes to trust them. They might, you know, either watch movies with them or they might buy them things or they may do certain things. So, so the child is becoming groomed to trust them more. The family now is, oh, this is great. You know, my, my child is having playtime. So she goes over the friend's house, you know, for an hour every day. So everybody is being groomed. And this grooming process is simply really a no like, and trust situation where this predator is actually preparing um, to violate the child um, really in a way where the child is not expecting that violation to come because he's built up trust. So that's the grooming process. So your niece, uh, I'm sorry, not your niece, your relative, um, your relative um, was part of this grooming process and long story short, ended up becoming um, victimized yes. for me, right? And so after this, you know, can you just explain a little bit about what, the behavior was um, of the of the four year old relative um, after this situation. Well, Jenny started getting very rebellious, and unfortunately, um, the family was abusing their own children at the same time, which right. makes made it even more uh, awful. Right, that they would use their own children, and this is very becoming commonplace that people are using their children for this because it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. So just Child pornography is a multi-billion, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Because it just is. so that they're aware, this is what actually was happening. When she was going over to the house, there was like child pornography activities going on. Yes. Right. And there was another little girl in the neighborhood victimized as well. Okay. And so there were four children they were using for child pornography. And Parents in the neighborhood thought, oh, this is great. Our kids are playing together and we can just forget about it. They're over at this other girl's house. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jenny started saying things like, um, Nikki's mother's nicer than you are because she doesn't work and you do. And just things like that. And they started realizing her behavior patterns were getting very rebellious. Right. And she kept wanting to go over to Nikki's when, and when they would say no, she would get very angry. Right. And then all of a sudden um, things surfaced. Now, I don't know the specifics of how it all came about, but they started catching on to that Jenny was being abused. Right. And then horrified finding out that Jenny would say there was a postman that would come and there would be videos exchanged and things like that. So it, um, it all came about and um, the whole family was devastated from the grandparents, my parents down to the child uh, and siblings. It affects the whole family. 
Right, right, right. And so, so after this situation, so um, Jenny's gone over here. Initially, she's excited to go over there because the grooming part, they were convincing her that this was a better household to be in. So she would yeah. run over there. But I also read in the book later on, um, after this abuse is going on, then she, she wasn't, wasn't really so excited to really go there. So you, I just want parents to be able to recognize a shift. If your child is initially excited about doing something different, being around new people that you don't know that well, um, monitor that behavior. Because then if you later on notice, maybe after months, now the same house that they were running to, um, they don't really want to go to anymore or they come back and their behavior is different. So it's really critically important that parents pay attention to that. And so um, Jenny's parents paid attention to that. Ultimately, it came out that there was... um, criminal behavior going on and, you know, the police were involved and um, Jenny and the family ended up moving and trying to repair um, their lives. But for Jenny, it became difficult, right? And and she never really fully recovered because that's just, especially being in the the legal business myself, I understand the ramifications are long-term. So for her, um, she never really kind of quite got over it, but she was able to kind of start living a better life at some point, but then ultimately lost her life in a tragic car accident from a drunk driver. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. And so after, so, so after um, going through this ordeal with the family and then going through the trial and um, watching this guy not accept any responsibility, um, you kind of had like a light bulb moment is what I call it, where you decided that, you know what? something has to be done because I'm sure you were looking back at Jenny's life and she, she died at like 20, what was, was it? 20, 22. So she's 22. Yeah. So from, from four years up until 22, her life was, was tragedy between yes, was. the pornography and then this happening um, to her. And so how did you feel at that moment at the trial when this was, now supposed to be a time of closure because this case was coming to an end but it was closure from a legal perspective but there's so many ramifications long term afterwards so can you tell us about that what was going on with you well I I found it very difficult I was very close to Jenny and uh, very close to her mother and I saw half of the life of the enthusiasm for life drain out of her mother and I thought what on earth can I do to get that light back in her eye? And I started the charity and she's the first person I call if something new has come about or that I'm being interviewed by uh, radio or, or we're getting a big donation or corporate sponsorship. And she's the first person I call and it's helped her a great. She said, she told me, she said, Charlene, I don't know what I would do without you. And I don't know what I would do without you paying attention to the family and seeing if we can't feel better. I don't know if any listeners have lost a child. I feel as though I did, but I did not carry Jackie. And um, it becomes a really, uh, a really big loss to anyone that loses a child. You didn't, yeah. And the the thing is, so you decided at that moment um, at the trial. Is that when you formed? Was it is internet since? Because 
initially it had a different name, right? It was digital. Um, I think I read in your book, it was um, Child Pornography Hurts. Yes. Is that the name? Okay. Yes. So you formed that charity and then um, that led to the work that you're doing now. Yes. Yes, it did. Right. And can I just say this to you? When you um, decided to form, what was the, well, let me ask you this. What was the whole purpose behind you wanting to form this charity? Well, I wanted to form it in memory of Jenny and in support of all child pornography victims because um, my sisters often said, you don't, you don't know pain until you taste it. And when our family had experienced it, and then I experienced finding child pornography on a computer and seeing what um, Jenny had been through, then I realized that something has to be done. So and you were working. So you were also working as a um, computer. Were you I a- was a computer specialist okay. and network administrator in the high school. So let me just yeah. ask you this question. So you're working as a computer specialist. Was this when you discovered this pornography? Was this before or after the trial? Before. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you discover. So you discover. Um, was Was Jenny alive when you discovered this pornography? Yes. Okay. Yes, she was. So, okay. So you discover this pornography up until that point of you actually visually seeing it, seeing it. I mean, we can hear what child pornography is, but many of us, I mean, I have seen bit pictures because of my business that I'm in. I've right. represented criminal right. defendants, right? But um, if you haven't seen it, you have no idea how traumatic that is to watch and to look at, right? So right. once you saw um, that, and this is a your, you know a four year old relative. Did that really like make you go, oh my god, this is like? Did it become more visual of actually what she went through? Yes, I. In fact, there's one picture that I've never been able to get out of my head because the child in the picture looked exactly like her. Same hairdo, the same size. I, I'm. I would not want to say it was her, but I. All these years, I still get flashbacks about it, and I'm fairly certain it is her. Okay. And to see someone you've loved in like, that in that type of position, I I can't even describe right. how awful it is. Did I need therapy? Of course I did. I have a strong compassion and love for children. I did not have training as a police officer on how to absorb this type of content. It um it was horrible. Right. And then I decided, well, I, I, need to, uh, I need to do something. I need right. to do something for me, but I wanted to do something for my family. Right. Then I started researching and developing the theory of digital supervision. A friend of mine says, Charlene, sit down and write a book. You need to protect your intellectual property. And I said, well, I've never written a book. And she said, oh, shut up and sit down, Charlene. You type 90 words a minute. Right. And as I was writing it, I was worried people would make fun of it. And I, but I did it. I persevered. And it ended up being nominated for an international award by educators in the Delta Kappa Gamma Society. It's like 17 countries. I didn't get the award, but I love telling people I was nominated. Right. Well, it's a really good book. It's really powerful. It's really educational. Oh, thank you. And, and, and one of the, yeah, and one of the things that, um, you know, I even learned from, from the book and from what you're saying today is when you witness that pornography on the computer, 
you had to, you ended up having like post-traumatic stress disorder. You had to get counseling for that, right? And, yes. and after you got counseling for that, then this tragedy again happens and Jenny's killed. Right. Right? So you have tragedy upon tragedy. And then at that point you go, I got to do something. That's right. And so this charity is born. Um, and I know that, and, and I, I, we're going to take a break soon because I want to come back and I really want to get into exactly what it is that your charity does, um, how entrepreneurs need to be made aware of it, how they need to really implement di- digital supervision in their families and their households. But before we go, I just want to, um, I want to just say this. I know that I read in the book when you were, because um, I always tell entrepreneurs uh, that if you're creating intellectual property, you want to get, you know, you want to start your, uh, uh, you want to get like a business entity. So for you, it was forming a corporation and then getting charitable status, right? right. That's right. You went to go see a lawyer about that. How long did he say that process was going to last? Uh, probably two years and fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. Okay, but you were adamant about getting that out there because of this relative of yours and all that she'd gone through in your family, right? Yes. Um, yes. And then ultimately, uh, you decided that you were going to do it, and you ended up doing it. You didn't have that kind of money. You obviously you didn't want to wait that long, right? Right. Okay. So what did you do? I studied and studied, and and went through the charities directorate in Canada, and in Canada and the corporate. Corporations Canada, they have bylaw outlines that you can develop, and I did it all myself and never spent a dime on legal fees. And how long did it take you? Because he said it was going to be ten to $20,000 in two to five years. Right. I did it in six how long? months. So it took you $0. $0 yes. in six months. Yes. And the beauty of it was the girl at the charities directorate went in on New Year's Eve day to promote the registration of the charity because she has children and, and believed in what I was doing. Amazing and awesome. And, and so I want to share that with the listeners, but I also want to share this before we come back, because when we come back, we're going to take a break, but we're going to come back. We're going to now talk about exactly what Internet Sense um, is, what it does. We're going to talk about um, a process that you can follow to make sure that your children are safe, especially all you mompreneurs out there um, when your children are on cell phone. Because every all these kids have cell phones today. We think it's safe for them to have a cell phone. And it is safe, but it, it, is, it is also unsafe. So we're going to talk about the unsafe part of it. But I just want to share this part as an entrepreneur. Um, I'm looking in uh, Charlene's book, and I just want to, to read this paragraph. It says, to anyone who might have a reason to want to make a change in society. I advise that you follow your soul and your heart. If you want to help others follow your goals, I have never wanted to be a person with regrets. We have enough regrets in life. When it comes to far-reaching goals, reach for the sky. You never know what you might be able to accomplish. And the reason why I wanted to read that, um, I found that to be like one of the most profound paragraphs in your book. And the reason why I wanted to read that is because... um, you um, exemplify uh, a really strong, passionate um, persona of an entrepreneur. Um, and you started, you know, your business, you started this business, your charity, your charity is your business um, and you're running it as an entrepreneur and you were fueled by it because of the tragedy and experiences what I call your sorepreneur uninterrupted journey. You've gone through tragedy in the family 
um, with the four-year-old relative and then, you know, seeing these images that you think may have even been the four-year-old relative. So I can't even imagine that took you into, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. You've gotten therapy for that. And then after still trying to heal, you end up losing your relative in a tragic car accident, right? At 22 years old. And then you take all that you have and you say, you know what? I'm going to make a difference. I'm not going to let any of those um, obstacles knock me down. I'm going to keep soaring. I'm going to keep moving on. I'm not going to let this interrupt me. And for the sake of Jenny and my family and my relatives and all these other possible victims of child pornography, I, Charlene, am going to make a difference. And you set out to do that. And despite what that attorney told you, you know, not having the money and not even wanting to wait that long, you did what you desire to do and you got up and you got it done and I love that story and I'm sharing that with all the listeners because I don't know what your story is but when you get knocked down this is this is an example um Charlene's example of getting up and turning all of that tragedy into an opportunity because even though you know Jenny didn't die in vain because guess what now we have internet sense security now we have Charlene um, from Ontario, you know, going to Ontario and, and London and Iceland and Philadelphia and all these places that you've been speaking on, on, and you are using that tragedy so other people can triumph. And so with that said, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how Charlene is now really changing the world of internet security with her program, with her charity, and how you entrepreneurs out there, especially you mompreneurs, can make life for your children on the internet safer. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sorepreneurs Uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson. Are you a coach, consultant, expert, or service-based entrepreneur? Are you ready to build a sustainable business, scale a business to six figures or beyond, or legally protect your business? If you answered yes to any of these questions, we have a gift just for you. At soar to success Academy, entrepreneurs just like you hire us to accelerate their income and protect their profit. Today, you can download a free copy of our business soar blueprint. This blueprint will give you a step-by-step roadmap on how to not only build a profitable business, but how to also legally protect it. Your business soar blueprint is just a click away. Go to ChevelleMcPherson.com to claim your free blueprint and start building a profitable and protected business that will give you greater impact and greater income. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sorepreneurs Uninterrupted. I have been having an amazing interview today. Um, I have Charlene Doak. Gaubauer from, from, um, I have to, I have to really pronunciate her name, uh, from London, Ontario today. She's all the way from Canada. She's here with us in the lovely United States because she has created a theory of digital supervision. The first part of the show, she pretty much talked to us about how she came up up with this theory. Um, she uses this theory in her charitable, um, um, program, which is, um, internet sense. 
It's a charitable organization. And she explained to us during the first part of the show why she created this charity because of some um, some tragedies that occurred in her family with a four-year-old relative who became the victim of child pornography um, and then ultimately ended up having like a tragic life and died at the age of 22, um, the victim of a drunk driver. Um, and uh, to make matters you know, worse, at some point in Charlene's career, she explained to us that she actually saw some pictures um, that probably could have been highly resembled that relative. So she had some stress behind that. But above all, one of the things that she did and she described was she pulled herself together, her experiences working in computers, her experience with the trauma that she went through, and she made something positive. She created this charity and she create, created this three-part um, process in her theory of digital supervision. And I'm going to turn it over to her right now because she's going to explain to you what this theory is, why it's important, why entrepreneurs need to be made aware of it, especially the mompreneur with children. So Charlene, I'm going to ask you to take it over and can you just explain to the listeners what your digital theory is, why it's important, and how can we all become more safe with our children and the internet? Well, that's a, that's a loaded question, but I speak about this all the time. I, uh, when I was developing digital supervision, I thought it should have two parts, awareness and method. And then when I was speaking for Crime Stoppers, they said, oh, but we need to have something positive. We need hope. So I have expanded digital supervision to awareness, method, and hope. Awareness, what is going on out there, which I'll explain in a minute. And method, how can we supervise our children? And hope, we can do this and we have to do it. Awareness, this is a crime that has exploded because of the internet. It is in everyone's backyard. It is in hospitals through doctors, hospital workers, education through teachers, uh, educational assistants. It's with lawyers. Anyone can be accused of being active in the child pornography industry. I mean, anyone, meaning you can't designate it to a certain neighborhood or a certain profession. It's everywhere. And when I talk to police, they will say, be very careful where you are because people don't want anything to interrupt this multi-billion dollar industry. Our children can be the biggest problem in all of this. The cell phone is one of the bigger problems because no one is supervising our children. Where in the history of the world have our children been this independent without parental supervision? I know in Canada, and I'm sure it's in the United States, I've researched all around the world, parents drive their children to school, running into each other, gas fumes everywhere to get their child to school and safe, yet they give them the key to their internet and let them go wild. And every predator knows that our children are on these devices unsupervised, which is very problematic. I... I've been partnered, our charity has partnered with uh, two companies in Canada, Nerds On Site and Adam Networks, and they're developing a computer filter. And they called me and they said, we want to partner with you because our filter will only do so much and your theory of digital supervision will complete the picture. 
And I say that digital supervision and a computer filter are interdependent. You should have both together. Most people don't even know what a computer filter is. The filter is something that goes between your computer and your router, which makes it so that it will filter out information that your children are accessing. The Atom Networks filter actually provides a bright web so that when a child is on the internet, they go into the bright web and the blocking is better. Now, the problem being that once your child is on a chat, once they're emailing or they're on social media, no blocking is going to stop that because they're already there. Mm-hmm. And that's where digital supervision is so important. We need humanity supervising humanity again. A big problem are the nudes. The uh, children are using cell phones, iPads, and webcams to take pictures of themselves nude. And the teenagers now say that it's sex before kissing. <laughs> and wow. why is that? Because too many boys are addicted to porn. And it's causing erectile dysfunction. Principals have talked to me and said, we're pulling our hair out. We don't know what to do. Social media, these kids are doing self-exploitive pictures, meaning the nudes. And a girl will send a boy a picture of her bare breasts. It used to be you used to wink at somebody. No, it's done differently now. That's what courting is all about. Unfortunately, when they're under the age of 18, they're producing and distributing child pornography. Yes, they are. And let me give you an example. Let's say your eight-year-old son, who is a behavior child, has decided to send a picture of his genitalia to Johnny down the street. Johnny's father gets the email, looks at it, and calls the police. The police then come to your door, and they will say, "Um, we need to talk to you and your child. They will interview you separately. So the police will ask you as a parent, where did that picture come from? And you as a parent will say, I don't know. I think my son might have taken it. I really don't know. And then the police will talk to your behavioral child. I taught behavioral students. They don't like being in trouble, even though they're in trouble all the time. And the police will say, where did you get that picture? And they'll say, my dad took that picture. (laughs) That gives a whole new meaning to the exploitive pictures. So then you're opening yourself up to possibly having your whole house searched for more child pornography because they're not going to believe you until you're proven innocent. Right. So that's a huge part of it. And I've talked in schools where principals will say, oh, we've had some arrests here. And these were kids in grades seven and eight. Mm -hmm. And um, and then you you get uh, kids that are exchanging these pictures everywhere. The Ontario Provincial Police here say that in a school of 1,000, with today's technology, a nude in a school can circulate within one hour maximum. Well, so, can I, can I, can, let me just jump in for a moment because um, from as an attorney um, who has represented children charged with you know, child pornography, mm-hmm. um, I have to emphasize um, again, I can relate completely to what you're saying, and, and I think parents need to understand this. I'm going to give another example. So I have I had a client who um, was in high school, and um, you know she uh, and her girlfriends thought they were just going to make fun of some other girl who they had a picture of, and she was in her bra, right? right. So they you know decided to put it on Instagram. Oh of the other high school girl in her bra. 
Um, and then, you know, it got shared around the high school. So long story short is, you know, maybe about 20 of these high school students were now all arrested for distributing child pornography because to show, you know, breast or any other um, uh, organ, body part organ, that's of a, you know, a sexual, could be a, a, a to, for sexual pleasure or gratification, to share that is pornography. Now, the what the listeners need to understand is that this is why you need to monitor your children at all times and make sure they are filters and make sure that they can't do certain things to the best of your ability. Because now these 10 parents had to all go out and hire attorneys. I was one of the ones hired to go into court and now defend these children who in New Jersey were now facing Megan's law, which means they could be labeled sexual predators um, for the rest of their life because it's a Megan's law offense. And in New Jersey, we have Megan's law, which pretty much means that when you are charged with certain crimes um, that are involving, you know, children, pornography, sex, rape, things of that nature, sexual crimes, you have to register uh, yourself in a sex, you know, registry and your community gets to check and see, you know, depending on the level of registration, but it just is not a good thing that you want to happen to your child, especially when they're planning to get ready to go off to college um, and, you know, really get to start their life. It can be devastating for the family. It can be devastating for everyone. So I personally um, have been involved in this, you know, with, with children as well as, again, I've had doctors, like you said, doctors and lawyers I've represented because something popped up on their computer and they may have sent it or shared it or whatever. And just so that the, the listeners also know, um, even when I represent people who are charged in child pornography, I can't, they, the, the prosecutor can't even send me the evidence of the pictures because then that would be disseminated. I had to literally drive an hour to the police station, to the detective bureau to see this stuff on the police computer because that's how serious it is and that's how serious the law is when it comes to distributing. So you want to be very careful as an adult you don't even want to distribute it and send it to, you know, the police yourself because now you're actually distributing, you know, pornography. So it's these are laws that you really have to be aware of because they are complicated and they can affect um, parents and children, but it can be devastating to a household. So I'm glad that you came on to talk about it and um, awareness, which is what we're doing now. The first prong of your theory of digital supervision is being aware what we are telling you now is information that will make you aware of this problem so that you can take precautions to prevent it from happening in your household. Now, after they become aware, what's the next thing? Others uh, method. And uh, there's so much involved with that. It, it's it, big. The big word is communication, communicating with your children. But one method that I tell parents, and I make it very clear. Um, first of all, our children are running the internet in our homes. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem. Because the children, then if you try to take a device away from them, they go ballistic. They Half of them are addicted to them. Uh, the parents just let them go on them for hours and hours, not realizing it's, it's harder parenting than you think it is. So... I tell parents, especially because a lot of parents are not the computer savvy people, I tell them have the uh, router in the parental bedroom. That's for two reasons. One, you can turn it off at night 
and your children cannot be on the internet all night. You say the, the router's down at eight and uh, that's it. And you make sure there are no unsecured routers in your neighborhood because your children will be on those unsecured routers. You just make sure there's nothing available to them. And then the second reason for having it in the parental bedroom is to tell them you're in charge. You're yeah. actually paying for this. And if it is somewhere in the common place where your children are, where is your sense of the parenting? Where is it that I'm the leader of the household? I'm paying for this. And whatever you do as a minor, I'm responsible for. Anyone in your home right. that's there and if they're over the age of 18 and you're paying for that internet, my theory of digital supervision um, is promoting that as soon as you have that gateway in your home, you're responsible for it. And this right. would be even for... Um, uh, violent acts to public safety. If you have someone in your home that's creating a crime or thinking they're going to do something violent in the world, then you as the homeowner should not be able to put your hands up in despair and say, I didn't know. Right. It's your job to know. Right. Would you give the keys to your child at the age of eight and let them drive around New York City? Right. Well, why do you give them the key to your router and let them go around the world? Every predator loves that. This crime has exploded and they're, they're trying to figure out what to do. And I have the answer here. Digital supervision interdependent with a computer filter. You would need to have a filter as well. I will tell you as children age, they do know how to get around filters. That's why this has to start and digital supervision established very early in their, in their life because, um, I don't know about you, but I don't think a child at the age of six or 12 has the executive capability to make a decision on who <laughs> friends should be. You see what I mean? No, I agree. And you know what? It is internet, it's interesting that you say that because uh, a lot of times, I think, especially now with Facebook, with social media, with Twitter, with all of these different social platforms, um, it's difficult because, you know, you and I can talk over Zoom from, you know, New Jersey to, you know, Canada. Uh, we can talk from Iceland. We can talk. Kids can do the same thing and so can predators. They have the same access to our children as we have to our business um, 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 connections and our clients. That's right. So you have to be careful. Um, you have to be careful because the people are lurking on the internet that are not there to provide anything positive to your child. Right. And some of these, I mean, even when I was watching the whole, uh, even with the R. Kelly, um, the, 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 the thing with R. Kelly and all of his alleged victims. And, you know, one of the victims was talking, you know, she was sending emails and things like that to the other girl and got her to come to the house or th that was the allegation. The point that I'm trying to make is um, where are the parents? <laughs> right. Where are the parents? They have to learn that, like you said, you don't run this house at 12. You don't run this house at 14. You don't run this house at 7. You don't, in my house, you don't run this house if you live in this house, period, because right. it's my house. So, so you know, I'm not even going to put an age on it. If it's your house, you are responsible for what goes on in your house. And I understand that parenting can be difficult, and I understand that there are a lot of distractions. But first of all, um, even Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, he 
talks about um, how he created Facebook. It's meant to be addictive. Um, you know, it's meant for, you know, you to go on, for you to like something. It does something to the brain where it does something for that, you know, chemical that's responsible for status. And for you to keep following people, it does something for your attention. All of that stuff has to do with the chemicals in the brain and it's addictive. So you have to put up some monitoring because number one, we don't need to be so addicted to social media. That's the first thing, especially not young children. And number two, we don't want our children to be subjected to anything unnecessarily. They have enough stresses and enough um, um, responsibilities with school and, and to other issues with bullying and all these other things. So to add this whole component of the possibility of a you know child predator trying to get through through their their internet and their computer device devices when there's certain things that we can do to try to avoid that to me would just be completely irresponsible for us to just totally completely ignore this area so i'm glad that charlene is here today because she's she's given you um lots of information she's given you she shared her family situation with you if that's not enough to shake you up and wake you up um i don't know what will be so become aware you should after after this show today no one who listen you know is share this episode with people sharing is caring get this word out there child pornography is a billion dollar multi billion dollar business so whether you you know i hate to say this but there are a lot of people that don't want it to go away because when money is involved people don't the people who profit and benefit from it they don't want it to go away you know, that's just the reality. So we have to do our part to keep it away from us because the people that are getting benefits from it are not. So be aware that this is a huge problem. Put these methods in place that she talked about, these filters, making sure that the your your router is not out in the open in your home. Make make sure you, you know, put some safety standards in place, a cutoff time. After this such and such a time, you can't be on the internet. Walk past your child's computer. If you see that they're minimizing things when you walk by or they're telling you that the internet is down, no, look on that computer, see what pages are up, see who they're communicating with. And the key also is to stay in communication with your children because if they're not talking to you, they're talking to someone. You know, we don't, we're not put on this earth to be lonely. We're not put on here to be alone. So if your children aren't talking to you, who are they talking to? You want to make sure it's not someone who's like in Jenny's case, people that are trying to groom her, you know, or groom him. Um, and what are they putting out? You know, check their social media, look at their pictures. Um, are they putting out, you know, pictures that could be interpreted to be of a sexual nature or for sexual gratification. These things are important. So awareness and methods, you have those two, two um, parts of this digital supervision process. And the last one that Charlene hasn't talked about yet is hope. So tell us a little bit about hope. Well, I, I will say that with method, there's uh, so much more to it than I can put into one radio show. Hope. Right hope is that we can do this. Right. I, um, as a high school teacher, I know that students, uh, teenagers, they don't know nearly as much as parents think they do. And I've had so many parents say they know more than I do. I was just presenting in a high school in Toronto two weeks ago. And the teacher said, this is a really high profile class and so on. And I went, yeah, okay, fine. And I started asking them questions about what's an ISP, What's right. a filter? And they had no clue. They know how to text, sext, game, email, social media. And I, I will say I feel sorry for parents 
this is uh, something new. Um, I, I tell people I was managing a ne- network in the year 2000, and we were all excited because there were animated GIFs on the screen. Now, in 2019, we're live streaming. A lot of this child pornography is done live streaming. That's what they're lusting for. And uh, I, I can't speak enough about the dangers. There's cyberbullying. I call it cyberbullicide. And there are children bullying each other in school. There are children committing suicide over what's going on. Without digital supervision, you really don't know what your children are experiencing in school. Right. So the hope is there. I, I don't want to point my finger at parents. This is all new. We need as to, as parents, be the generation that changes the supervision of our children to incorporate digital supervision. It's, it's absolutely imperative that I we agree. get caught up with the digital age. I agree. Um, and I just want to say this. Um, I thank you so much for coming by. I thank you for sharing um, the three you know, steps in this process of your theory on um, digital supervision. Um, and I do think that this is an area that everyone needs to be aware of, but I really want to emphasize this. One of the reasons I brought you on the show is because I know how busy entrepreneurs are. I know how busy mompreneurs are. Um, for, for some of us, you know, we have full-time businesses or we even, some of us have jobs and we have businesses that are side hustles. And for a lot of, a lot of parents like that, you know, you're sitting your kid down with, you know, the game and you're putting them in front of the computer and you want your kid to be computer literate. And a lot of times these cell phones, these games, these computers become the babysitters for um, entrepreneurs as they try to build and grow their businesses. So I think that it's critically important that if you are allowing your child to um, be entertained, educated, or, you know, just occupied by anything digital, whether it's their computer, it's their iPad, whether it's their cell phone, that this conversation today should resonate with you, that you need to, number one, become aware that there is a problem and that there are predators out there lurking. That's the first thing. Number two, um, as Charlene indicated, you need to put some methods in place. And as she indicated, she can't go through all of the methods here today. And I'm going to now find out how we can, you know, learn more about this from her. But for, for now, you do need to do some research and uh, on additional methods other than the ones she described in the show today. And three, we, we need to have hope. We need to have hope that this message is going to get out. You're going to share this podcast. You're going to share um, Charlene's information. Um, if I su- highly suggest you get a copy of her book, which is called Digital Sexual Victims, True Cases. Um, it's by Charlene um, E. Doak Gabauer. Um, and it's a really good book and it's educational and it's enlightening and it's going to help you with that awareness factor. It's going to help you with the method factor. And after you read it, it definitely is going to give you hope that we can get this under control and that things can get better. Um, Charlene, I want to ask you, how can, other than getting your book, which I just you know told them that they should all go and do so that they can really get a grasp of this concept of digital, um, digital security and online safety, um, how can they get in touch with you after today's show? I would encourage people to email me. I answer all emails and it's internetsense.first at rogers.com. First is F-I-R-S-T and it's internet sense like common sense. So it's internetsense.first at rogers.com or call me. It's 519-854-1249. I present globally 
and I would be honored to present in the United States. As you know, Chevelle, I love Americans. I know. <laughs> when, I was, when I was in Iceland, I was drawn to her and her husband, AJ, and we had a wonderful time in Iceland. I lived in the United States for five summers, and I'll be going there again this summer. I love Americans, and I yes. find them the most supportive people and open and wonderful people. Well, and I love my Canadians, too, and you are one of, 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 of many of my Canadian friends. Um, I love Canada. I'm actually getting ready to travel to Canada, I think, uh, next month. Um, and my Canadians, they are just as, you know, they're great and so welcoming as well. Um, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you for coming here, sharing all of your expert. Um, Charlene truly is an expert in online child safety. And I just want to, I want to be able to share her with the listeners so that you guys can really get, um, aware of, uh, of this situation and you can do something about it. And if not anywhere else, start in your homes, just take some action now. Um, so with that said, Charlene, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we go? Anything else you think they need to know about this topic that we didn't cover? I want to quote a former president of the United States, Benjamin Franklin. And he said, justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Please do not be affected before you do something. Do something. I love first. it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, um, it's been a great interview today. Um, very enlightening. And I want to thank you all. Once again, as I always say, your um, greatest opportunity could be on the other side of an opportunity. Your greatest opportunity could be on the other side of an obstacle, as we just heard um, Charlene talk about today. So with that said, I want to continue these entrepreneurial conversations. and. Uh, until the next time, I want you all to keep soaring uninterrupted. Have a great day. See you all next week. Thank you, Chevelle. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to this episode of Soarpreneurs Uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson, where entrepreneurs like you get empowered and educated with business and legal strategies they need to build and scale successful businesses. Join us every week as we continue these entrepreneurial conversations. To download this week's show, listen to past shows, or learn how to be a guest on the show, please visit ChevelleMcPherson.com and click on the podcast link. Be sure to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are released. Remember, your successful business may be on the other side of an interruption, so keep soaring uninterrupted so you can have the income you desire, the peace of mind you deserve, and a lifestyle you've designed. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.